But if I could somehow, some way, pull off the upset, because I truly believe any man with two hands has a fighting chance. All right, this is episode 13, Lucky 13. As uh, I think it was Jim Ross said during the 1997 Royal Rumble when the Undertaker came out as number 30 during the Royal Rumble and it was headlining towards WrestleMania 13, is 13 the lucky number number of the Undertaker? So maybe 13 is the lucky number of the fucking Max. Hey, you know, it's going to be our most listened to and most watched podcast ever. I feel it. I feel it strongly. Last week we had a damn good week. I think uh, if you combine all of uh, our different media that we used, we, we had a few hundred people tuning in, so that was kind of freaking awesome. Thank you for watching us on Twitter, watching us on Facebook, and as always, downloading our podcast off of Podbeam. Uh, unfortunately for today, uh, the official spokes, the unofficial spokesperson of the podcast will not be the... 40-ounce by Colt 45. Um, uh, they're in the freezer. Yeah, uh, th- those are getting frosty for when we watch NFL shortly. Uh, so we, we have a suitable replacement. We have Fireball today. It Fireball. Is, it is one of the two unofficial spokespersons of the FN Marks podcast, the other one being Monster Energy Drinks. He's got a regular monster. I've got a Gronk monster. And I'm wearing my Brady jersey, so watch it today. All right. Swig of fireballs for the working man. For show. I'll take a right. swig of that, too. So, uh, many big things to get to uh, this week in professional Woo! wrestling. Sorry. Oh, the fireball makes him flare. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it with flair, right? Absolutely. So, uh few big things to get to Sorry. Uh, with uh, wrestling this week. Uh, first and foremost, the big news, it seems like uh, Bill Goldberg back in his uh, his way into the squared circle uh, with WWE. Looks like it's going to be a match against Brock Lesnar. The Beast versus... I don't even remember what Goldberg's thing was. He well, was... I mean, he was the streak, but they're calling this one like Icon versus Icon. You know, hopefully... This is going to be the match that we should have gotten 13 years ago at WrestleMania, but it just didn't end up being what it should have been. Terrible match at WrestleMania 20, by the way. So, I think what's happening here is, you know, Goldberg can still physically do a lot of the things that he used to do. He's still in really good shape, and lately what he's said is he wants his children and his wife to see what he used to do They've never really seen him as a professional wrestler go out there and do his thing. He wants to do it one more time, and right now it looks like this is going to be a one-off thing where he just has this one match. I'm thinking if things go well, maybe he ends up in the Royal Rumble. Maybe he lasts till WrestleMania. I don't think he's going to be at every Monday Night Raw, but I think there's the possibility that they could convince him to stick around for a couple more shows just you know, for the nostalgia trip, so Goldberg could have his kids see him do his thing. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Goldberg used to get these mega pops and hit. Goldberg. Ju- but the dude just Goldberg. had so much intensity in there. Goldberg. He was never a great wrestler, but he just had this intensity, and people 
drew into his intensity, into his character. And the one thing I will say about Bill Goldberg is he definitely looked the part. I mean, he was just like a physical specimen. Uh, it was actually kind of funny uh, earlier this week on the WWE Network. They were doing the Monday Night Wars uh, show that they've been doing where they do like an hour here, hour there, hour there. And it actually was the one about how the thing about WCW that they were worried about was they were bringing all these former WWE guys like the Hulk Hogan's and the Scott Hall's and the Kevin Nash's and the Randy Savage's and what was, well, it was working for them because, you know, they're, these are household names that everybody knows about. And the thing about the WWF at the time, before they were WWE, they had a lot of young talent on the, on the squad. So where these guys who were already established in the business were making a name for themselves and WCW making them a popular entity, it was guys like Steve Austin and The Rock and Triple H, guys that they developed over the years to, you know, build the brand to what it was. And then it was the Attitude Era where, you know, DX was doing all the crazy shenanigans and Stone Cold Steve Austin was, you know, beating up Vince McMahon and everything. And what WCW was looking for is, like, we have all these guys, but we don't have any, like, young, up-and-coming, you know, homegrown talent guys. And it just so happens that Bill Goldberg, after his very brief NFL career was over, he was working out at Lex Luger's gym. And, you know, Luger was like, oh, maybe you should check it out. You know, maybe you you might want to consider it. And then, you know, the executives for WCW were coming down. They sent him, you know, they signed him. They sent him down to their... Uh, the power plant. The power plant. I actually forgot about the power plant until I saw the video, which is kind of cool. That you know, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, who everybody thought was a prick. Right. Batista tried out there too at some point, and Buddy Lee Parker said, "Who's ever going to want to watch you? You've got nothing." Well, he, I mean, he does beat his chest like forty-seven thousand times before he gets in the ring. But either way, I mean, like you were like you were talking about with Goldberg as not being a wrestler. You know, Goldberg's shtick for the longest time was, yeah, he had the streak. Which got to like a hundred and I think it was like a hundred and seventy four some some crazy ridiculous number that was unattainable in the amount yeah and it was exaggerated and everything and his thing was he'd go in there he'd throw a couple of punches do a shoulder block he would spear somebody and then he'd hit him with the jackhammer and one part of it that really did stick genetic out genetic jackhammer yes <sighs> what did I say no 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 genetic jackhammer is uh, Mr McMahon's member. Oh, right. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, caught him off guard. Bastard. It is Sunday morning instead of Saturday evening, and kind of gotten used to the whole Saturday evening thing, and it's actually more, you know, I, I don't mind, you know, believe me, I don't mind when we do the podcast. I really don't. I mean, if you want to do it at like 1 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday, I would do it at 1 o'clock in the morning on a Thursday, but, you know, I'm still trying to like, I'm, I'm not in my mindset that I'm typically in on a Saturday evening, but... Anyway, to get back to what I was talking about, they were they were talking about how he finally got. They were like, "Well, we got to see what this guy can do. Like, see if he can like extend his matches because he's having like these two or three quick squash matches against guys like Hugh Morris and everything." So they they put him in the ring with with at the time Stephen Regal, who's now known as William Regal, and they're like, "We want you to stretch him out for like six minutes." And Regal's like, "Holy crap!" He's like, "I don't know if I could do this." And they really it showed Goldberg's flaws in the match against Regal because uh, oh it was clunky it was a, a crap match uh, Goldberg was just so green but despite that match looking like crap again it's all about that dude's 
character and how badass he was and how legit he seemed. Right. You know, because, you know, you got to remember, this is not too far out of the cartoon character uh, age from WWE where they had Duke the Dumpster Drossy and they had uh, WCW had Glacier and crap like that where it was like, I thought some of the ideas of these characters were cool, but just the way they portrayed them were just horrendous. I love Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Yeah, I know. That's why you brought him up. Absolutely. And and to be and to be perfectly fair, the fact that they put him in the ring with William Regal as to see how he can last in a much longer match, I think that's perfect. Because to be perfectly honest, if I was a superstar coming up in the system around that time, especially in WCW before you know before Regal you know moved over to WWE before the you know the brand. You know, before they they kind of like bought out WCW, that'd be the guy I would want to get in the ring with, with because Regal's one of those guys. Say what you will. I mean, he was he was an unbelievable heel. He really got the heat that he really deserved because he was so good at it. Also, with Regal, that a lot of people don't bring up is the fact that he's very good as a technical wrestler. I would love to get in, if I was a if I was a guy at that time. I would love to get in the ring with William Regal or Steven Regal, whatever you want to call him. One of those things. So, yeah, Goldberg, you know, has never been much as the technical wrestler, but... He's a I, great attraction. He He's a great attraction. I think this match will be much better than the WrestleMania match from back then. I'm not expecting this match to go long. I think they're going to beat the holy hell out of each other. It's supposedly happening at Survivor Series, because uh, Goldberg uh, now has been announced for a whole bunch of dates heading up until Survivor Series, so, and he's going to be on WWE Raw tomorrow night, so Monday night, Raw is going to have Goldberg, I hope they don't put him in the main event of the third hour, I might be asleep at that point. I, I thought it was interesting, because how they, how they pretty much set it up was, you know, Goldberg was like, there's a possibility I could fight, I could fight Brock Lesnar and everything, and what they did was they had Paul Heyman come out during Raw, and he cut a promo saying that Goldberg doesn't really belong in the ring with Brock Lesnar, and, you know, like what Paul Heyman always does, how he basically blows Brock Lesnar every time he cuts a promo in the ring and everything, and Goldberg goes on Twitter and says, I'm buying my ticket now for Raw next week in, I think, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. So that's that's going to be interesting. Also think find it interesting that both him and Brock Lesnar are going to be together on the Raw after that on Halloween night, which happens to be in... Hartford, Connecticut. My home, actually my, my birth city, Hartford, Connecticut, where I grew up for a very brief amount of time. So that'll be interesting. I, I wonder if these guys are going to, you know, just have the stare down or if there's going to be a little physicality before they actually get in the ring. I think they should have physicality just because people have not seen Goldberg. People who are a little younger probably don't even know who he is. Right. He hasn't been in the ring uh, wrestling a match since 2004. So, I mean, there are kids right now who have been growing up with John Cena who may have heard of Bill Goldberg but don't really understand who he is. Right. It's the marks like us, you know, who've been growing up with wrestling, you know, when we grew up in the 80s and 90s, watching it, we're the ones who are more well-known about Goldberg and all that stuff. So, it's gonna. Be, I think it's going to be interesting. So, with this... Uh, you know, we've been talking about Raw and talking, We, you know, we briefly mentioned about Paul Heyman there, uh, but let's get in a little bit of uh, Monday Night Raw and what went down this week there. Raw was, uh, once again, one of those shows, 
hit and miss. Some stuff was good, some stuff was bad. Here are our notes. We we looked down at these from time to time. I'm going to put them up higher so we could kind of see that. It's probably better for me because I don't have my glasses today. All right, so we had Rusev come out at the beginning of this show. And, you know, what they're doing here is they're, they're – this was one of the dumbest – things like logic wise i think i've ever seen in wwe no not in wwe they don't do anything stupid in wwe no never (laughs) um but what they did here is they had uh sasha sasha and charlotte uh trying to hype up themselves for having uh they are going to make history and have the first hell in a cell match for women Uh, i'm excited for by the way those Honestly, I'm probably most excited to see those two women in Hell in a Cell because WWE really has never allowed women to get into, you know, they haven't had a no-holds-barred match. They haven't had matches where they were able to, like, physically kind of beat the hell out of each other. Right, because usually, you know, it's the guys have the Hell in a Cell, beat the crap out of each other backstage, and women are having, like, pillow fights and bikini matches and shit like that. So I'm glad that they're giving them something kind of legitimate to kind of put their teeth into. Right. I think these two ladies are really going to bring the house down. But what ends up happening is while these two are cutting a promo on each other, Rusev comes out and ends up kind of making fun of them, tells them more or less to get out of his ring. Uh, the two girls uh, team up, and they knock Rusev out of the ring, and... Let's see. What, what, do my notes tell me? Oh, Did oh, Roman Reigns come oh, out? Oh, Did oh. Roman Reigns you know, come out? You know, then you hear the, burn it, and then the freaking guy with the really wet hair comes out with that stupid yeah. U.S. title that he has around his shoulder, and, you know, and then they're like, and then, you know, in Teddy Long fashion on Monday Night Raw, instead of SmackDown, there was a match that was announced. It was going to be Roman Reigns and Sasha Banks going up against Charlotte and Rusev, even though... But the thing that was stupid that didn't make any sense is Charlotte and Sasha just teamed together to get rid of Rusev because he was being a dick to both of them. Why is Charlotte going to team up with him? Like I said, that's WWE creative. That makes no sense. So, um, whatever. So, that that was a bad way to start the, the night up. I'm digging the stuff with Charlotte and Sasha. I'm digging the stuff kind of with Reigns, Reigns and Rusev, and, you know, they've got their Hell in a Cell match coming up. They're, that rivalry between Reigns and Rusev has been fantastic since, was it before SummerSlam or at SummerSlam it started? Like, uh, it well, was, technically it, it started, it, it was built up for SummerSlam. But, yeah, that, the way that they've been handling this rivalry between those two has been fantastic. They've been having some pretty good matches, considering Roman Reigns is one of those guys. I'm actually... Surprised I get to say that, but, you know, I'm happy that they're doing it. I'm happy they're going to be in a Hell in a Cell. Really excited for Hell in a Cell, by the way. Well, uh, after we had that set up, then, uh, you know, they're trying to get over this match that they have coming up with New Day and uh, Cesaro and Sheamus. So they ended up having Kofi go against Cesaro, and to me, surprisingly, Kofi won with a roll-up, which... Generally, the team you see winning going in ends up being the team that loses, but I'm 100% in the belief that they're going to have New Day surpass Demolition, which they still have about another two months to go before that happens. I agree with you on that. I 
feel they're going to pass the Demolition's record for longest tag team reign. They've been bringing that up a lot lately. Yeah. Like, Demolition lasted 478 days, and I don't know why they hadn't talked about the Demolition reign before this. They always talked about the Brian Kendrick, Kendrick and, Paul, and Paul, London. Paul London reign, and then, you know, after a little bitching on Twitter, I'm sure it wasn't just us, but there were probably other people, but, like, we had been bitching for a little bit, like, Hey, what about demolition? These guys held the titles for, you know, 478 days, and you're acting like it never happened. Yeah, and I remember it was you that was more of the, I can't believe they're doing this type of thing, as opposed to me. I mean, I'm not really, like, with certain days, I'm not really as good. Like, I know CM Punk's was 478 days as... WWE or 434 you were thinking demolition yeah I'm sorry I get my numbers mixed up sometimes but it's I think it's I think that's going to, is ultimately going to happen that they are going to pass demolition which is a shame because it's like I would have put the titles on Anderson and Gallows before some I did read somewhere online they were talking about Enzo and Big Cass about how they were so hot when they they first got up from NXT they're back in hot, April I mean yeah, yeah they're still a very popular tag team and they're like, well, they kind of like fizzled out a little bit, you know, in the last month or so. And it's and they're like, we still they still have big plans for them. And it's like, you know, I think if they weren't so adamant about them trying to surpass all these records, that they would have been something special, either them or Anderson or Gall and Gallows. So, uh, you know, interesting booking that they have going here. I I do like when they, you know, don't go to script as far as booking because it makes it, you know too easy to call the matches sometimes and i find that when we get to like royal rumble or SummerSlam or wrestlemania a lot of times they actually do a better job of booking so you're like all right who the hell's gonna win this thing i mean for the longest time i don't know how i didn't see this or realize this but i was convinced john cena was gonna win in that first match against the rock but i i didn't go into it thinking like oh wait they're in Miami. That's Rock's hometown. I thought, you know, usually if you're in your hometown, WWE likes to beat you in your hometown. But because it was Rock and it was like, you know, he had wrestled that one time at Survivor Series, but that was about it uh, in about eight years. I was convinced The Rock was going to lose that match, but I was like, oh, eh, maybe we'll we'll see. But definitely more thinking Cena. And, you know, when Rock won, I was like, you I wasn't know, surprised by that, by the way. But the thing here is I enjoy the fact that maybe they're not keeping so tight to the, all right, well, this person ended up on top right before the pay-per-view, so this person's going to lose. It, it makes it a little more unpredictable, and I like that because, you know what, there's been too many damn times when WWE's been predictable, which predictable ends up leading to boring a lot of times. And I remember the first time that I saw that it was predictable was a few years back when Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble, when he went up against Triple H for the title and everything. That was it. It was, it was leading up to that Royal Rumble, and I was like, oh, you know, anybody can win. And then they cut the video promo of Randy Orton before that Royal Rumble, and I said, oh, that's a lock, guarantee that Randy Orton's going to win that Royal Rumble. So, and that's one thing that really kills it because it's like everybody knew Batista was going to win when he came back, and. The same thing with uh, Roman Roman Reigns. Yeah. So. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I kind of just stopped so off. And yeah. I'm like, er. All right. So you know we had a couple <laughs> other. Uh, Bailey went against some uh, 
local jobber again. I was this the second week in a row we had somebody with the last name Fields. Yeah, it was uh, Anna Fields last week, and, and then it was Cammy Fields. Cammy Fields this week, and next week they're going to bring Mrs. Fields and her wonderful cookies out to fight. Uh, Bailey. Uh, Bailey, Bailey's going to give a hug to the cookie dough. I hope so. That would be the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yes. And it was also I'd like to bring up since you brought up Bailey that it was in her hometown of San Jose. Yeah. So it was it was it was cool that they did that and everything and after their match that she had against uh, one of Mrs. Fields' daughters. Yes. They um she got attacked by Dana Brooke on, on the top of the ramp. So I feel like they're going to be setting up for something like that even if it's like a pre-show thing for the Hell in a Cell. Yeah. You can't have Bailey keep on going against uh the local enhancement talent cuz Eventually, they're going to run out of fields to fight. Exactly. There's only so many out there. And it, it was good they didn't have Nia Jax on this show with, like, her own squash match. You know, having a couple of jobber matches is fine, but, you know, you, you feed too many of them into these three-hour shows, and it, it'll, it gets a little bit boring. I mean, sometimes uh, it's funny how much more of a reaction sometimes the jobbers get than the actual, like, stars that WWE has, but... What do you mean? Is that something we're going to be bringing up a little bit later on in the podcast? Perhaps. Perhaps. All right, so uh, after that, we had, you know, usually we don't talk backstage segments, but Jericho uh, had some moments. Uh, He and R-Truth behind the scenes... Jericho, Jericho was on the phone. I'm sorry. I, I to... Well, Jericho was talking about uh, a payday. On, on the phone with probably his agent or a manager or Vince McMahon or, you know, the gobbledygook or somebody like that. And he talks about a payday, and next thing you know, our truth comes walking down the hall. He's like, here you go, Chris. And he had a payday. Yeah, the candy bar. <laughs> That's not to be the payday I was talking about. And then Archie kind of walked away. He's like, I didn't say I didn't want it. <laughs> Which was, it's funny, because, you yeah. know, anything with, with Jericho is just gold. Yeah. And anything he spews out of his mouth, or even when he doesn't spew anything out of his mouth, is just gold. It's tremendous stuff. But uh, that, that was a, a great, great little, like, five-second thing that they did uh, behind the scenes. And Wait for it. Wait for it. No, it's not going to be my mark-out moment, sorry. No, no. No, I think we got a couple other things in mind this week. I like to toy with the people, though. I'm sorry. Uh, so what we had is we had a cruiserweight tag match. We had uh, Lindsay Dorado and Sin Cara versus Tony Nese and Drew Gulak. Ooh, that goes with the big news that they announced. They announced that Sin Cara is officially going to be part of the cruiserweight division. Yep. I mean, raise your hand if you were surprised that you know they put Sin Cara in the uh, cruiserweight division. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't see any hands raised. No, no. Well, you know, it, it's badly needed for Sinkara. I mean, he's basically been the the jobber for everybody else. So instead of ha- being, you know, a superstar jobber that's on the road all the time, you know, now maybe he, he has a chance to do something that's not lose every week. It's going to be interesting. Very good tag team match, by the way. Him and Lindsay Dorado, who we did see at the uh, NXT show about a week ago. Yep. I like him. He's very talented in the ring. I think he's got a bright future in the in the cruiserweight division. And obviously, you know my opinion on the cruiserweight division as it is. So yeah, uh, I'm hoping like they've been obviously now that uh, Vince McMahon, you know, he's in charge of Raw, but 
having Vince in charge of the cruiserweight division, I've definitely noticed some changes um, as far as, like, in-ring. Um, it's not – I preferred how they were wrestling when they were on the cruiserweight classic. Um, but they're doing a little bit more now with character development, so we're going to see where it goes. Hopefully – you know, it ends up being a better product, but I hope they don't take too many things away from what they were doing in the classic and kind of water down how awesome that stuff was. I couldn't agree more with you. I I hope that he doesn't affect the way the division should be as opposed to the way he wants it to be. So, good match. Uh, they didn't do a, a ton as far as, like, setting up storylines with this one. It was really just, you know, cruiserweight match and introducing Sin Cara to the Cruiserweight division, which was breaking news in the WWE network, or it, it, WWE app, or whatever the hell it was. Right. <laughs> so then we uh, had Foley and uh, Stephanie McMahon in the ring, and, you know, Foley has been a long, you know, not just as a, a talent, but, like, as a person, like, his Twitter feed and his Facebook page he always talks about how much of a fan he is of women's wrestling yeah and you know this was when he kind of officially announced you know what yes Sasha and Charlotte are gonna have a hell in the cell match and we can't wait to see what they do I love the fact that Foley the mark is also Foley the GM and he actually gets to play a mark on TV and I mean sometimes he gets dressed down by Stephanie and or the way he dresses up like he looked like a he looked like, like a, a lumberjack and a tablecloth at the same time because right. it was that it fantastic was that I'm sorry if anybody can pull it off it's Mick Foley the, I love that guy for so long I, and I was not a huge fan of Dude Love, but I always loved Cactus Jack, and I loved Mankind. I, I loved the sadistic side of Foley more than I liked the uh, the, the fun-loving. Fun yeah. But the, the Cactus Jack matches that he had with Vader back in the day in WCW were some of the most epic matches. That's how I'm always going to remember. And everything. Yeah, and that's what I'm always going to remember Foley for. I mean, I had no problem with him being the dude lug character because it was something different. It was something that we weren't expecting from a guy yeah. who's got long hair and a freaking scraggly beard. And I, I like Foley. I, I, I've, I, he's one of those guys that each and every week that he's out there on Raw as general manager that I'm starting to be more and more of a fan of his than I was before. So I think it's good. So I, I like that they came out here and you know made a big deal out of uh, officially announcing this Hell in a Cell match between these two women. And I think this is going to be great for the division. It certainly gives them a high-profile thing, but also having, like, you know, the the folks in authority on the show, you know, making a big deal, it, it it's really helping bring the division up a couple of notches, I think. I so, agree. So then after that, we had uh, Jericho and uh, Kevin Owens. Uh they came out, uh, then we had uh, Anderson and Gallows, and they took out Enzo and Cass. It, it was just a whole schmoz. And you can't teach that. Yep. You know, something else did happen on Raw this week. Something that wasn't broadcasted on the, you know, in front of the camera. Something that wasn't talked about by either Michael Cole or Byron Saxon or Corey Graves. Something that wasn't brought up during the Raw pre-show with the panel or anything like that. No. Something else did happen on Raw this week. And you know what? 
it bothered me. It bothered me a lot. I'm, I'm like, it, that happened six days ago, and you know me. A lot of people know me very well. It sat in the it, old it, uh, noodle for the last six days. It's been festering on my brain for six days now. Say what you need to say. Jay and I have been discussing for a while like we, who we thought was going to be the first WWE employee whether it was going to be a woman or a broadcaster or a wrestler or, you know, general manager or whatever, who was going to be the first one to block us. And I've been talking about, and I've been hooting and hollering for well over a month that it was going to be Neville because I keep tweeting at him all those horrible things about him being a Keebler elf and how he's been away from the hollowed out tree and Ernie misses him and all this stuff. And, you know, you, you, you've pretty much agreed with me. It was either going to be him and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Well, it was, uh, I, I thought it was going to be uh, Neville, or uh, I thought maybe James Ellsworth, or uh, maybe the Man Scout might uh, oh, the block Man, us. Man I Scout mean, is definitely one of our fans. But like, I thought after yeah. a while he might be like, "What's wrong with these guys? I'm getting rid of them. They're fucking marks." But it was not. It was not to be. Unfortunately, for us, especially me. Uh, we, we had a sad moment where we found out we were blocked by uh, WWE Universal Champion Kevin Owens. And you know what? I'm not quite as fired up as Bobby the Brainless is about this, but what what we tweeted was so, like, such a nothing comment was just like a, a funny little quip. And and I ran it by you before I tweeted it too. I, I I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, go with that. That's beautiful. I mean, I mean, you tell him what you tweeted. You know, you know, it's not like I said. You know, I I said something about his kids or his wife or his family or I called him a shitty wrestler or anything. No, I basically made a I made a comment because they were talking about him and Jericho. Like if Jericho beat Seth Rollins in the main event of Raw that Jericho would have been added to the match and it would have been a triple threat match for the WWE Universal Championship. And the look on Owen's face when he said it was just like, I can't believe they said that. He looked like a fat kid who somebody just took his cupcake and ate it on him. So that's what I tweeted. I said, Kevin Owens... You didn't Owens, even say fat kid. You just I just said, said... I said, Kevin Owens looks like somebody who just had his cupcake taken from him and eaten on him. That's all I said. And he blocked us for that. Talk about thin skin. What the fuck? Really? 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 I've said, you know what? Far even, worse even, to far even, more people. Even even before we started doing this podcast, even before I've been shitting on wrestlers. I mean, obviously, I've been shitting on wrestlers for years because I enjoy it. I've been, I used to call Matt Hardy to his Twitter page the worst wrestler in the history of professional wrestling. I told John Cena that I hoped he fell off the bus and broke his neck. Okay. I, I've said such horribly terrible things to some of these wrestlers over the years. To even athletes like Josh Norman of the Washington Redskins. I told him I hope he blew up both of his ACLs and his knees. I've said some really fucked up things. So me telling Kevin Owens that he looks like somebody just ate his cupcake on him gets us blocked? What the fuck, man? I hope you're listening. I know you're not because you, you blocked us and you're a fucking asshole. But you know what, Kevin Owens? After what you did, after you blocked us over such a terrible, 
trivial. Trivial thing to, to block us over. Thin-skinned, man. You are no longer one of my favorite wrestlers. I hope you drop the fucking title now. I, ho- I don't care who takes the title from you. I hope you drop the title. I hope you never get another chance at a championship. I hope you get plummeted down to the bottom of the food chain in the WWE where you're the one who gets fed to Braun Strowman and you lose in less than two minutes. I hope you get released. I hope you end up in TNA where you're nothing. Speaking of TNA and nothing, <laughs> they they might about to be nothing. That's very true. I'm sorry. Okay, hold on. Wait, give me... Okay, wait, I'm wait, fine. wait, wait. Take 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 a shot of fireball while uh so uh we'll do a little ADD here, ADHD. Uh so he said TNA and nothing. Uh TNA big news this week. TNA uh apparently is in a deep financial hole. I mean, we we've always kind of known that they are They've been having issues with money. I mean, ever since they left Spike TV, obviously the amount of money coming in is not as good as it used to be. They used to go and tour around the United States. You know, they wouldn't draw the biggest crowds, but they would draw some crowds. Right. Now they don't even go on the road. Literally, they're just a TV show, and they tape stuff at Universal Studios. In Orlando, Florida. And... That's about it right now. So they're a TV show, but they employ a whole bunch of people. Uh, but it came out this week. The Dixie Carter. They're at least like $4 million in the hole, but they also owe taxes to the state of Tennessee. That's where they're based out of. And they also owe Billy Corrigan money, and I believe it's Aerolux uh, Entertainment. Uh, both of them have funded uh, recent uh, impact tapings. So going forward, I I don't know how much longer this company has before they either need to be sold or before they're going to go bankrupt and WWE will just end up buying the library for pennies on dollars, similar to what happened with WCW back 15 years ago. And it would be interesting once they do that, how many of the guys that are in NXT, or I'm sorry, TNA. that are in TNA will end up in you know NXT or Raw or SmackDown. I know that there's quite a few people, and it's funny that you brought up TNA. I don't want to you know break off from how we're talking about how Dixie Carter owes all this money to either the state of Tennessee or Billy Corgan or to the superstars or to, you know, whatever the, I'm sorry, whatever the company was. Oh, Aerolux. Aerolux yeah. or if she or if she owes to God or Dan Malloy or to we President Obama to... or to me or you or anything like that. But something did get brought up this week about TNA that I wanted to bring up. Right. They have the, uh, the another yeah. party-based... Uh, uh, TNA Impact type of thing is going to be... Uh, I think it's like Deletion Apocalypse. Apocalypto, where they're going to have this like open invitation to every tag team ever made in the history of mankind and forever and ever. And Matt Hardy was going out there and people were asking him, well, some of the teams that he would like to invite. Somebody had asked him about the New Day, the WWE... WWE World Tag Team Champions. And he said that if they weren't afraid and they wanted to actually go out there and do it, and if it was okay with Mr. Meek Mean, he would actually show up and invite the New Day out to this thing. Somebody had also asked him about the Young Bucks 
who are the I think they're the tag team champions of Ring of Honor. If I'm not mistaken, I know they're part of Ring of Honor. I'm not. I don't positive. remember if they're. I, I don't follow Ring of Honor close enough. I know that uh, they're doing. I think a deal with uh, Ring of Honor, and I think they're still wrestling in New Japan, maybe. So they might be IWGP champions. Right. I'm not sure. Uh, but Young very Bucks, good, very good tag team. And, and they were in Young Bucks were in TNA. I uh, remember them in TNA. They were uh, called Generation Me. Uh, I got to see a pretty awesome. Uh, I think it was a TLC match with Generation Me, and I forgot who the heck they won against. It, it was like five years ago. It was at one of their pay per views. Good show. Uh, the Young Bucks put on a hell of an entertaining match. They might have been going against Motor City Machine Guns. I remember them as well. They, they were awesome. But uh, I hope it happens. I really do. I think it would be great. I want to see like the cross-pollination yeah. of these brands. It was something we never got to see with WCW and WWE back in the day. The closest that we got was when Scott Hall and Kevin Nash debuted in WCW, and everybody's like, oh, what are Vince McMahon's guys doing on WCW? Everybody thought that that's what they were doing, when in actuality they had just become free agents and they signed with WCW. Well, I mean, d- WWE did... tried to do that invasion angle in like right. 2001 once uh, ECW and WCW closed down, and it worked to an extent, but they didn't have all the big names. Right, they didn't have the Hulk Hogan's or the Bill Goldberg's and stuff like that. I mean, they had Booker T. And they had DDP and things like that, but it, it wasn't me. everything that it... It's Could have been. It's DDP. Sorry. Of course. Had to be a mark. Right. I, I, I really do. I really do hope that it's the case. Even if, the, it, I mean, Vince McMahon's going to have to swallow his pride a little bit because, you know, it's all, at the end of the day, every decision that gets made, it's all based on Vince McMahon. Vince, please, whatever you do, even if you don't send the new day. Even if you send, like, Big Cass and Enzo. I mean, I would, I would think I, that would be fantastic. Or Anderson or, and Gallows. Or how about, uh, you know, the where the Twitter war started? Uh, get the Wyatt family. That's even better. Because we just had Luke Harper show back up again, and he and Braun, uh, Bray Wyatt and, uh, and Luke Harper teamed up this week. I, I wouldn't mind sending the Wyatt family. Also about that, that you brought up, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the uh, Wyatt family and Luke Harper returning and everything. I thought it was interesting. First of all, he came back during the pay-per-view and distracted Randy. Randy got hit with Sister Abigail. Bray Wyatt finally got a win. Yeah, Bray Wyatt got a win in the main event, technically yeah. speaking. It was the last match uh, on the card. It was the last match of the card, was victorious in the end. Also, they main evented SmackDown this week. Thought it was interesting that with Luke Harper being there, he actually cut a promo. Yeah. And I'm glad to see it because... He, uh, he's great. I like. I've been a fan of Luke Harper since they got brought up. I mean, I've always been a fan of Bray Wyatt since you know the, the yeah. evolution of the Wyatt family. Luke Harper is just as talented as Bray Wyatt. I think it's a good. He's a good compliment. I like to see him get a chance. He's very talented in the ring. I, I you know, between him and Bray, they're they're the two best. I mean, Eric Rowan, like I've I've said before, and I'll say it again, just kind of sucks. Well, he's injured. He's out for like the next six months. So, big loss. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. Uh, I hope the tag team apocalyptica, whatever it is, ends up happening. That'll be cool. Um, and as far as TNA goes, I hope they find a way to keep that company afloat. Just, you know, cause there's a lot of guys working there who, you know, are really talented. You know, you got Ethan Carter there. You got Bobby Lashley there. Uh, you, you've got, uh, Drew Galloway, 
a lot of guys who are talented, whether you like their characters or not, can do shit in the ring. Uh, I mean, Ethan Carter the third. They re- WWE dropped the ball with him. He won. Uh, I forget what season of NXT it was. Thirty six. Uh, but you know, wasn't he Lucky Cannon? No, I don't know if he was Lucky Cannon, but his uh, name in WWE was Derek Bateman. He he won. Oh, that's who it was. He was Derek Bateman. I'm sorry, Lucky Cannon was somebody else. So they've had so many different guys that yeah, come in through that NXT with crap different that, names, with different and, names like Caval is low key and right. You know. So you know, a guy like Ethan Carter, I don't think ever got like a good fair shot in WWE. I don't know if he would get a fair shot now, despite the fact that he's really built up himself is, you know, being a good performer and being a great character. I disagree. If you're talking about guys who were unsuccessful in their runs in WWE, went off to do something else and became successful and then came back to the WWE and don't think you're going to be successful, I'll give you a very good example of somebody like that. Luke Gallows. Luke Gallows, when he debuted in the WWE, he was the biscuit head Festus when he was teaming up with Cousin Jesse, and they were Jesse and Festus, ring the bell, and then he would beat the crap out of somebody. Then he joined the Straight Edge Society where he was with CM Punk, and he was Luke Gallows, and talked about how drugs and alcohol were responsible for him acting like a, like a, like a jackass and everything. Went on to Japan, had a great run there, came back to the WWE, and, you know, he's he's pretty successful. Obviously, they're not getting the, the chances, but they would have won. The reason why, like, guys like Gallows and AJ Styles, I think, have been portrayed as well as they have been is because they did not come from TNA. Right. Because these guys would be, unfortunately, coming straight from TNA, you know, I think Vince still views them is competition and similar to when they brought in the WCW guys. How many of those WCW guys actually got over? And they had a lot of talented guys, a handful of them. You had Booker T, you had Rey Mysterio, and Chris Jericho. Jericho came before the invasion, though. He came before they had gone out of business. Big Show came before they went out of business. I'm talking about the guys specifically that That came came after... Right. Uh, they had closed shop. I th- I would say Hurricane Helms to an extent was over, but like he he didn't have a long run. It was Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero came before before then they. He came in with Rey Mysterio. I thought no, he came in with uh, Benoit, Harry uh, Saturn, Saturn, and, and Dean Malenko. I'm sorry. Yeah, they were. Right. The I apologize. But like, if you're talking the guys who came specifically after the company ended. Vince still kind of viewed them as competition and did everything he could to crap on them. That's why when they did the invasion angle, it didn't work because Vince wanted to show WWF as the superior brand. Which is kind of why they put Steve Austin as part of the WCW team because it's like, well, I have the WCW guys coming in, but I don't have the big name guys like Goldberg or Hulk Hogan or Sting. So I'm going to give them Steve Austin because once upon a time they always had them lose. Right. I know. And I fear like a guy like Ethan Carter or Bobby Lashley, who when they left uh, WWE, like Lashley did not leave on the greatest of terms, and that had more to do with WWE than him. Right. Uh, But I fear that them coming back from that world 
w would just be terrible. Like personally for me, if TNA does close down and closes down soon, what I would love to see, I would love to see Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania because both those guys are legit badasses. Bobby Lashley is like 14 or 15 in one in MMA. So, you know, it's not like CM Punk where he went to MMA. Got his ass kicked. Got his ass kicked. We're talking about a guy who's a legit heavyweight. He's not in uh, UFC, but he's in Bellator, 15 right. in one. He's still going in there and legit beating up other guys. I'd love to see him and Lesnar lock up because both of them insanely, like, physical. Right. And I just think the two of them would have a match that we haven't seen before. I think it would be more rooted in looking like a UFC MMA type fight. Yep. But it would feel like a fight as opposed to feeling like uh, an acrobatic show. I want to flip it a little bit. Sure. There's one. If if that was if we're going to talk about things we'd like to see if TNA closes shop and WWE buys over, I agree with you. I do think that Lashley and Lesnar would have a great match, a great fight, and I think that they would actually treat Les, uh, Lashley more as a, uh, a star versus like Ethan Carter, who right. uh, you know has not done anything outside of going to TNA. Right. I want to flip it a little bit, and I can't believe these words are actually going to come out of my mouth. Of all the guys that are in TNA, that if they get bought out by WWE, that I'd like to see come back, are the Hardy Boys. Absolutely. Broken Matt and Brother Nero against the Wyatt family. As those characters. I as don't want characters. them to come back as, you know, the the Hardys Well, if, if, if Jeff came back as, you know, Jeff as Hardy, was, I, I, I don't have a problem. Broken Matt Hardy. He's hilarious. Oh, my God, I cannot believe I'm going to say this. Has won over Bobby the Brainless. Mark it down on the calendars. October 16th. Is it the 16th? It's the 16th. October 16th, 2016. Bobby the Brainless no longer hates Matt Hardy. And would like to see... Because I think it would be great. Because if they did it like where they did it with um, with the first ever Final Deletion and then Final Deletion, Delete or Decay. If they did something like that at like the Hardy compound with the Wyatt family. And then they did one where they flipped it at the, at the Wyatt compound oh, versus them... Would be unbelievable, especially because they would have Rebby Sky yeah. come in there, and it's like, now is the time we introduce Sister, Sister Abigail. Abigail. That's a good raid idea. Oh my great god! Idea. Hello, WWE, get on it. Boom. That's what I would like to see, though. Now, now speaking of things that we've talked about, and we're fucking ADHD podcast from hell, right? Oh, who here. cares? Let's just let's just keep going. Who cares? All right. One of the things that uh, I tweeted about not that long ago, was since the uh, NXT women's division really took a lot of hits when they did the draft a few months ago, I, I tweeted out several months ago, I was like, you know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see Mickey James and Asuka. And lo and behold, what do we get? NXT Toronto. Takeover. We now have... Mickey James going against Oscar. I I couldn't be happier. I saw Mickey James. Uh, it was the same uh, pay per view that I saw the Young Bucks at years ago mm -hmm. for TNA. Mickey James against uh, Tara. She Victoria in uh, WWE, right. but uh, Tara in TNA. They had a no holds barred match, which was freaking awesome, and basically. 
Mickey James, I, I, I hated how she had to leave WWE with all the crap that they were doing for right. to her and for her at the end. And I really wanted to see her come back and have one final run where she looked really good. And She I, always looks good, though, by the way. She does. She was like one of the, back when they were still called divas, she was one of the divas that I liked watching her because... She looked she, like she ate a cheeseburger every once in a while. She, she looked healthy. She didn't look like... You know, a string bean. Well, if I eat, like, four pretzels, that's going to gain, like, a third of a pound. So I don't know if that's a good idea. But the thing with that was uh, I'm glad to see Mickey coming back. Her going against somebody like Asuka. Asuka, I think, needs to be, like, a silent ass kicker. Right. And having a good physical match at NXT TakeOver in Toronto, I think, I think they have a shot at stealing the show. Obviously, they they uh, they're going to have to reach really high because Samoa Joe and Nakamura are going to beat the hell out of each other. And I think they're, I'm going to guess the Nakamura Joe match is going to end up having some sort of stipulation, whether it's no holds barred, whether it's steel cage or Street something, fight or uh, something false like count that. anywhere. Because this is really like a blood feud at this point. Because I mean, Joe hurt Nakamura and had been trying anything and everything to get Nakamura out. Also, that happened this week since you brought up the Mickey James thing versus Asuka. Something happened on NXT this week on Wednesday. It was... Because you know how... And you guys all know who watch NXT every week, how they've been doing this whole... Joe's coming out beating up people just to make up for the fact that there's no Shinsuke Nakamura, even though it's his fault that there's no Nakamura. Give me Nakamura, give me the title. You know, he beat up the guy... I can't even think of the guy's name last week that he beat up that made his uh, debut. Mantha. Yeah, Dan, Dan uh, Mantha. Mantha. Dan Mantha. You know, and that that really bothered me and all that stuff. He came out this week, beat up Murphy and Blake or whatever the hell they're Blake Murphy, Blake, Blake and Murphy, Blake and Murphy, Blake Murphy uh, the, the, and the, the, Bill Buckner uh, or whatever the fuck his name is. Beat up the two of them, and he's like, "Give me Nakamura, or give me the title." And then Nakamura's music hit. He ripped off the neck brace, and he went out there and beat the crap out of Joe, and they were fighting all over the that arena. Was, that was a where, great, great segment. Oh, my God, it was fantastic. Nakamura's beating up security guards. Joe's beating up security guards. I wish the security was, like, as bad as it is on Springer, where they just let him go. I mean, yeah. eventually, like, they ended up, like, looping around. Like, there was one part where, like, all of a sudden, Joe, like, the security had kind of pushed him off camera right. and behind stage. And next thing you know, like, he must have, like, worked his way around and ran through the crowd and jumped over the barricade. And then he starts beating the hell out of Nakamura from behind. But, like, beat the hell out of each other. But it ended with the Kinshasa. That, that Nakamura also hit on the security guard, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. I love when crap like that happens. It's like a, a melee. It, it it just looks impressive. Nakamura is one of my favorites, by the way. And I'm yeah. glad we got to see him in Norfolk last week. Yeah. Um, that, that, that was great stuff. They're definitely... And, and it's the fact that they've only announced two matches for the NXT TakeOver in Toronto is just fantastic. Because the two matches that they announced, you get Joe versus Nakamura for the NXT title. Everybody's going to want to see that. Oh, let's just throw, you know, Mickey James against Asuka. Also heard a rumor that before they announced it was going to be Mickey James versus Asuka, they wanted Trish Stratus to come back and challenge Asuka. Unfortunately, Mickey, I mean, no, well, nothing bad. I mean, nothing, unfortunately for us. Unfortunately for the fans out there, nothing against it with Trish Stratus. You know, I'm happy for Trish and everything, but she's pregnant. So obviously she's not going to be able to compete. 
obviously, you know, with if Mickey James is the consolation prize for us not getting Trish Stratus, I'm not mad about that at all. I'm going to be stratified. Okay, fair enough. I, I accept <laughs> that as an answer. Um, but, yeah, I think it's great. I, I, I can't wait to see what the rest of the card looks like. I also think that, you know, after what happened this week on NXT, that we're going to see Bobby Roode versus Ty, Ty Dillinger, which is going to be a fun. Glo- I, no. Oh. Glorious match at NXT TakeOver. I think that those two are going to have a fantastic match. Ty Dillinger is very good in the ring. Bobby Roode, I don't even need to go into it with Bobby Roode. He's 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 solid in the ring, but like his character and his music are like glorious. They're glorious, but like those two aspects of him are just so off the charts incredible that you know him being uh, oh, what I would say well above average performer. Right. Just I mean, if it, on a scale of one to ten, I'd give Bobby Roode a seven in the ring, and he's a. A ten and a half to eleven on the mic. Well, and I would say Bobby Roode on a good day could probably get up to like eight and a half or nine. Oh yeah, depending on who he's in the ring with. Like when he's, we saw him with Cedric Alexander, I mean that they, night had they were both the best match of the night. They were the best match of the night, and both of them did their job in the ring. It wasn't you know Alexander completely carrying him and vice versa. Also, since we brought up Ty Dillinger and Bobby Roode, at NXT, they're in the Dusty Rhodes Classic Memorial Tag Team Tournament and everything. Um, They went up against Sanity, which made its NXT debut, although some of the guys, I think, were in NXT before, and now they're part of Sanity. They're rebranded. Ty, you know, you know, Bobby Roode made a big deal about how he went out there and said, we'd be a glorious 10 tag team and everything. They had their match. Ty Dillinger basically stayed in the ring. Sandy went and was attacking Dillinger, and Bobby Roode went to come in like he was going to save him. Basically put his robe back on, got out of the ring, walked to the back. Dillinger got his ass kicked, got hit with two finishers by the guys that they were in the tag team with. Hell, if I remember the names, I, I apologize. Yeah. Oh. I apologize. Next week, I will have it for you. Um, and then the, the female part of Sanity went in there, started pounding on him. And then there was the fourth guy, Insanity. Now, now, mind you, when I saw Sanity, you know what I immediately thought of? I thought of the faction from TNA, Aces and Eights, Aces because they had those masks, the masks on. on. Very yeah. interesting entrance, though. I, I yeah, with it was me, cool looking. It's all about presentation. Very good. The fourth guy that was still masked at the end came in there, hit his finisher on Ty Dillinger. The girl in mask, and like, oh my God, it's so and so. Again, I apologize for not knowing her name. And then, at that very moment, after the Short guy with the mask on, hit Ty Dillinger with his finisher. He unmasked, and Bobby the Brainless had his markout moment of the week. The man behind the mask was Eric Young. Eric Young, who had made an appearance in NXT some months ago. You know, it was kind of curious. Like, you had heard things when Young left TNA and made that uh, one shot, one off in NXT, it sounded like WWE was more interested in Eric Young than Bobby Roode because they both left at the same time. Right. And they thought Young was just a a more over, better overall performer, like on the mic, yeah. in the ring, as a character, all of that stuff. And they really wanted to bring him in over Roode. And it seemed like strange that they decided to, like, not have him come back and I don't know if that was just contract negotiations where you know they were 
figuring out the money or if they really were just waiting to kind of really cultivate what they wanted to do with him. Uh, but seeing him in this ring, uh, I've been a fan of Eric Young for a while. Uh, I think he does well as a heel and as a face. He's was great as a comedy character in TNA. I think this is a cool way to bring him in and introduce him to the NXT universe, which for the most part, the NXT guys are the ones who are the really big marks out there. So they know who Eric Young is and hopefully people who are watching NXT now who will see Eric Young, will see how talented he is. He's similar to rude. He's a little up there in age as far as like, quote unquote a new guy he's not he's like 37 or something like yeah, that Yeah, you know he's in his mid to upper 30s rude is in his upper 30s right now 39 so these guys bringing them in now it's good to kind of help elevate some of the stuff in nxt but having eric young come in be the head of a faction it makes him feel and seem like a big deal having these guys come out and beat the living crap out of people and look really good doing it just does a lot of things one to help build the storyline for them but it also you know the thing that was great about this this set up a couple of things it set up the ty dillinger and rude stuff agreed and then we have other things going forward with sanity sanity has now uh advanced in the dusty classic and who knows like i still think the authors of pain are the favorite i agree but i think this is still this could be a spot where if they want to really make Sanity feel like a big deal, maybe they have them, you know, win this thing. Like I said, I think Authors of Pain, if they lose in this uh, tournament, will lose on something strange like a countout or a DQ. I, I, so it's possible. I told you what I think is going to happen with the Authors of Pain if they don't win it. It's either, either going to it's going to be either where they get a double countout against the team they're fighting, or it's going to be a double disqualification against the team they go up against. That's my personal thing. With Eric Young, two things really quick, Jay. Sure. Uh, first thing, there was two guys in, in TNA that I really loved. They were my two favorite wrestlers in TNA. One was AJ Styles. I don't even really need to go into it. Another one was Eric Young. I fucking loved Eric Young. He was, like you said, he was fantastic on the microphone, really good in the ring, former TNA world champion. Loved Eric Young. I really did. I was a mark when for Eric Young. with the ODB. They were hilarious oh, yeah. together. Yeah, and that was the only time I really watched TNA was when Eric Young was on. Number two, it's fitting. It is fitting that Eric Young is in charge of the faction called Sanity. <laughs> because he's insane. Exactly. Think it's, I think it's great for the roster. I think it's great for the group. I love Eric Young. I'm glad he's there. So I, I just want to get that off. And one thing I think that's under a little bit understated here, but they made... The, the female insanity look like a complete badass. The and female, she's cute, by the way. That division needs somebody. A badass other than Asuka. And, I mean, Ember Moon, they're trying to build her up, but now they have a second person that they're building up. And they've been doing other things with, like, Liv Morgan and Peyton Royce. Billy Kay. Billy Kay and all of them to try to start building them up. But I think a lot of them have a lot farther to go. Oh, we forgot about Paul Ellering's daughter, too. But, Rachel. I mean, she's she's only made, like, a couple of appearances. They haven't yeah. done too much with him, her. Like, lately, the ones that have really been featured are Liv Morgan, Morgan Billy Kay, and Peyton Royce. Th- those are the ones that they're, they seem to be starting to push and make, you know, seem like a bigger deal than they, right. th- than they were. 
Okay. So should we keep on with NXT or do we loop back around to Raw after this like half oh, hour? Fuck Raw. I mean, I, I I'm I'm done with Raw after I had my little Kevin Owens rant. What am I gonna say? By the way, Seth Rollins beat Chris Jericho in the main event, so it's still a one-on-one match with douchebag Kevin Owens. That's what happens when I drink Fireball and then I lose my mind because somebody blocked me that shouldn't have blocked me, one of my favorite wrestlers. So that's that's all he gets. Kevin Owens, and I'm telling you right now, for future podcasts, I don't care how much of a mark you are, Kevin Owens is just a very small blip on our screen for blocking us. Kevin, Steen, Owens, you're a blip. You blimp. I'm going to eat your fucking cupcake. I'm going to eat your fucking cupcake too, bitch. So let's just go to fucking SmackDown. I'm sorry. Let's just go to SmackDown. I mean, we basically talked about this, the important stuff on NXT anyway. So let's just go right into SmackDown. Now, with SmackDown, do, do you want to sit there and talk no mercy and talk about what happened SmackDown after? I mean, we we pretty much talked. I mean, I think everybody has figured out what had happened in one of the matches at No Mercy. Which leads to me, to my markout moment of the week which was actually Dolph Ziggler, my man, winning the Intercontinental title. I was thoroughly convinced that he was going to lose. Not only did you, were you convinced they were going to lose. I mean, I made the, the bet because he was my guy. The cable company was put in. Dolph Ziggler's having his farewell on SmackDown this week on Tuesday. So you weren't the only one that thought he was going to leave. So I am happy to say uh, match of the week, I think by far. Oh, easily. Uh, Miz and Dolph Ziggler. And the thing for me right now with these two guys, this is the best feud I think we've seen in WWE in quite a while. It's not just because they've been going out there having good matches. It's Dolph has finally gotten really comfortable on the microphone and is freaking knocking it out of the park for me like week after week where we have Miz who I think this is the best work he's done probably in seven or eight years like I thought his initial run with the uh, WWE title he did a really good job of being a heel being a dick I think he's overall better in the ring right now and I think overall he understands his character better he's one of the few people is you know we had talked about before we had started this podcast today he's one of the few guys that consistently gets booed He's a heel, and he gets booed, where you get, like, AJ Styles. I love AJ. Me too. But when he goes out there, he's cheered. People love him. He It's because he's amazing in the ring, this, that, and the other thing, on top of the fact that he's going against John Cena, who most the, – the Marks hate. Oh, yeah. But you've got The Miz, who's going out there, one of the few guys who gets booed every time he goes out there. gets some really good heat. And I think that's added a lot to Ziggler trying to climb this mountain after losing and losing and losing. And they've really made the Intercontinental title relevant, feel like a big, big deal. And this match was awesome. It was a great payoff to what they had been building up for. And we know that we have at least one more match to come with these two guys, and I'm looking forward to see what they come up with. After what they did at the last match, I don't know how they could top it emotionally. I wonder if they're going to add a stipulation to their next match. I don't I like, don't remember. Like Maurice on the stick match? Right. I'd love to get in that match. I'm sorry. But 
the next SmackDown pay-per-view, I don't know if they have another one before I think Survivor, Survivor Series. Series. So I'm wondering if there's going to be like Team Miz versus Team Dolph, and then maybe they have another, they have like the blow-off to the feud in December, which might be TLC, so they might have a ladder match for the Intercontinental title, and that will be the last match of this. But their build-up for this, the way that Miz has really talked down to Dolph, like all of that... Bring him back to Spirit Squad. Right. Stuff like that. They added Making so many fun of his little, parents. Yeah. little things like that that really brought this feud up, and that's why this was my mark-out moment, was they did so much to make you feel like, all right, this is the end for Dolph, and you know what? He's been a great performer, but he has not been good enough. But this one time, he was good enough. He didn't have to cash in a money in the bank when a guy was injured. He went in there, and he won the match, despite the fact that Maurice, you know, got involved. Got involved. The Spirit Squad got involved. He despite, got sprayed in the face. Despite all that, he overcame the odds, and he won, and, you know, it was great, and then when he had the promo on SmackDown, he freaking knocked it out of the park where he just, you know, I was even starting to doubt myself, and then, you know, talked about I was going to do every damn thing in my power to win this Intercontinental title because I love freaking doing this. And I, I think it's also worth bringing up with uh, Dolph Ziggler how he was cutting that promo on Raw how he brought up that one of the things... SmackDown. That he, I, I apologize. I had a few shots of Fireball. Thank God one of us is still coherent. Was during his promo on SmackDown, he brought up how he could still spray tan the back of Zack Ryder. Thought that was excellent. 100% agree with you. Not only did they have the best match at No Mercy, they had the best match of the week. They did an awesome job building up this promo, or this, this, this rivalry and everything. Agree with you with what they could do with Survivor Series. Gonna kick it off to a little to a different point that actually happened on SmackDown. Was Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon challenged Raw at Survivor Series? So I'm thinking that is the next pay per view after Raw has the Hell in a Cell, where it's going to be the Raw versus SmackDown or Raw and SmackDown's first dual brand pay per view after like they really like try to separate the brands and everything. Excuse me, and Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan challenged Raw for three matches. They challenged them to a top WWE or top Raw stars versus the top SmackDown stars in a in a in the Survivor Series based match. Raw's top divas versus SmackDown's top divas in a Survivor Series based They're match. They're superstars now, though. And a tag team of the same thing, where it's the top tag teams of Raw and the top tag teams of SmackDown. We haven't heard what Raw is going to do because obviously SmackDown's on after Raw. I'm sure we're going to hear from Stephanie and, and Mick tomorrow. Sure. Really do hope that this is what they do, where it's kind of like the Raw versus SmackDown type of thing. Sure. Also have separate matches. If they have like AJ Styles go up against Dean Ambrose or AJ Styles versus John Cena or somebody else that he ended up fighting at SmackDown later on. We'll get into in a little bit. Uh, speaking of John Cena, John Cena is about An to asshole. shoot... Uh, his uh, second season of his reality show, uh, American Grit. And he's going to be actually taking a bit of a break from WWE. About two months, I I heard. think he's going to possibly make an appearance here or there, but more or less, he's going to be 
out of the picture for a few months. We'll probably see him back around Royal Rumble, like on as a more consistent performer, which obviously is going oh, to I'm lead to him. So devastated, by the way. Uh, and you're going to be devastated, uh, especially on WrestleMania 33 when he wins his 16th title. That's fine. We discussed this previously in a podcast. I'd rather him win his 16th world championship at WrestleMania it than the other thing. Deal. Considering that uh, earlier this week, there were pictures that were leaked out on social media of The Undertaker. Recently, he was at a Starbucks, I believe, and he was on crutches. The man's in his in his 50s now. He's been doing this for a very, 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 almost 30 years he's been doing this. He's been, you know, he's been through Hell in a Cell, Buried Alive, Inferno, you name it. He's done it. He was set on fire, literally, at one of the pay-per-views. I think it was uh, uh, Elimination Chamber. Doesn't look too good. So, obviously, a Cena versus Undertaker match is looking less and less likely. So, unfortunately, it means Cena's going to win his 16th title. I'm not completely writing off the dead man. I mean, it's po- we don't know anything about him. Anything's possible. It's possible that, like... According to KJ. He had a, a series. Uh, or, or, series. Uh, he could have had a surgery recently where, you know, he he's just out of surgery and needs the crutches to walk around. Oh, but hell, he could have stepped on a rock and twisted his ankle, all we know. We, we don't actually know. We just know that he's been walking around on crutches. I hope the Undertaker's okay. I hope I, the Undertaker's okay as well. I hope that this match uh, that he had at this past WrestleMania is not his last one. I would understand if it is because it was in his home state. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, to me probably the first or s- maybe second most hyped match on the card, and to me was the match that actually overperformed what I thought the match was going to be going in. I agreed. Hope I hope this wasn't uh, his last match, but if it was, you know what? It, it was a really good last match for him to have. I'm just being selfish here, hoping that we get to see the dead man for a couple more years. Oh, me too. And if it's just that one match at WrestleMania, then so be it. If he's one of those guys who doesn't want a big deal made out of his retirement, so be it. Uh, I mean, I think if we see hit an announcement, the Undertaker is going to be in the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2017, that would be a signal to me that he is done and he's going in. Uh, So we'll see that in the coming months. Speaking of the World Heavyweight Championship, SmackDown had a match between the World Heavyweight Champion and the next guy in line. Do you think it it was John Cena? Uh, Honestly, I I, I wasn't sure who... uh, AJ Styles was talking about when he said, hey, I've got somebody in line that's in back, and you know what? He's ready to go. Dean Ambrose, right? It was not Dean Ambrose. Randy Orton? Not Randy Orton. He was still searching for for Bray Wyatt. Uh, It wasn't Bray Wyatt. Dolph Ziggler? Not Dolph. The Miz? Not The Miz. Kane? Not Kane. Luke Harper? Who? 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 It was none of them. Baron Corbin. Wasn't him either. It wasn't the Lone Wolf. Jack Swagger? It wasn't even David Otunga. Oh, come on. Let's be serious. David Otunga is still shit, and he shouldn't even be wait, in the podcast. Wait, 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 wait. With the name that we're about to draw out of the freaking hat. It's still better than David Otunga. Hey, Sorry. No. Fuck David Otunga. He still sucks. Fire him. Uh, fire, uh, fire Otunga. Hashtag. What we got... 
was what I consider the new generation version of Barry Horowitz. And our very special guests a few weeks back on our podcast, Sean O, our, our good friend Sean O, who uh, has been doing ring announcing for professional wrestling for about a decade now, uh, who has seen and worked with many of the folks on the independent scene, and he worked with this particular performer on the independent scene. And he said some things off camera, so to speak, and off the mic about certain indivi- the certain individual that we're going to bring up. We're not going to say exactly what he said, but we'll just say that he is not exactly the biggest fan of this guy. Oh yeah, he's not. A, he's not a. He's not a number one fan like I'm a Hulkamaniac. Let's just put it that way. Uh, but the James Ellsworth made his third appearance on WWE TV after uh, him and his two hands could not handle the hashtag Sasquatch, and then getting attacked Braun when he Stroman. was supposed to be. AJ Styles' tag team partner against... Um, I think it was Ambrose and Cena. Ambrose and Cena. And, uh, boy, did I think that was going to be the last that we saw of James Ellsworth. I really did think it was the last we were going to see of him. And after AJ Styles has come out and defeated John Cena and Dean Ambrose uh, a couple times, beat them at the triple threat match yep. at No Mercy, they have him... Lose to James Ellsworth. I don't want to live in this world anymore. Now, there were some shenanigans in this match. We had uh, Dean Ambrose as the special guest referee, and he wasn't counting when he was supposed to count. They did funny little gimmick tree, and gimmick that... stuff, like uh, uh, Ambrose answering his cell phone while yeah. uh, Ellsworth is tapping out to the calf crusher and things right. like that. They, they had a little funny things that they added in, you know, just Dean Ambrose being Dean, Dean Ambrose. Ambrose. And, and that's one of the things, I, I'm sorry, I just want to bring this up really quick. Um, the people who don't like Dean Ambrose, I don't get it. I really don't. I, he's very talented, very good in-ring performer, even better on the microphone. I've I've been a fan of Dean Ambrose, liked him of all the guys in the Shield. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Cannot understand it. Obviously, people are entitled to their opinions, but in this day and age... Opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. Sorry. But he, he was fantastic at this as a referee. Role, yeah. Because you know, he kind of ripped off the shirt of the referee. Because usually when somebody's a special guest referee, they're in the back and they find a t- you know a referee yeah. shirt and put it on. He basically took the referee shirt off. He started emptying out his pockets, took out his wallet, his cell phone, a, a thing of Tic Tacs. And, and that that was like a little... Uh, funny quib at Donald yeah. Trump, but, like, they did, like, all that, and he's sitting there just piling it on to AJ Styles, just being a bit of a dick to Styles. Yeah. Then Styles takes all the stuff and just throws it, throws it outside the ring. the ring. And I think it was, was it Otunga that actually said something funny? I think it was. I think it was Otunga I, that I think finally... it was, like, the one moment Otunga didn't sound like an idiot. Where, since he's been part of the SmackDown announce team, he finally said something funny and didn't sound like a total dumbass. He actually made a comment that said that the referee is actually bigger than James Ellsworth. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, David Otunga said something funny. Great, six months from now he'll come up with his second funny thing. Hooray! Yay! Hooray for David Otunga! Sorry. I got a little carried away on that one. So we had this match. James Ellsworth won, and I hear that now this week, because James Ellsworth beat the WWE champion, he now has a WWE championship match, I believe, this week on SmackDown. Hey, he's got two hands. 
And anybody with two hands has a fighting chance. That's right. That's all I have to say. A swig of fireball for the working man. A swig of fireball for James Ellsworth being the number one contender. You know, if James Ellsworth can be the number one contender for the WWE World Championship, why can't Bobby the Brainless have a shot? Am I next? Am I next in line? You could be. I'd love to fight AJ Styles. All right, so uh, on SmackDown this week, we had uh, th- there were different matches that are obviously doing to kind of set up future storylines. We ended up having uh, Naomi versus Carmella. I mean, Carmella coming off of her feud with uh, Nikki Bella, and it Which seems is, like it's not over. It's not over because uh, she went against Naomi, and there was a distraction roll-up victory here where we had uh, Naomi going over. Nikki Bella had come down to the ringside, distracted Carmella, and roll up. Their feud isn't over. I don't know what their matches will be like from here on out, but it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. I agree. I'm excited for that as well. And they also furthered the uh, Usos in uh, Jordan and Gable's storyline. They had... uh, Gable going against, I, I don't know which one of the Usos, the one that actually... Like, Jimmy well, J. Right. The the one that actually wears a top. You sure? I yeah. think they were both wearing a top on, th- on Tuesday. Uh, e- either way, it was the one that, you know, dresses all the way up. Does it, it really matter which one it was? It, it, it was one of them. And they, they won in a very heelish way. Uh, whatever Uso was in the ring got help from his brother... Yeah, like uh, he he had rolled up uh, Gable, and the other Uso actually ended up pushing to add a little bit more leverage, leverage and he got the pin that way, and which I thought was interesting, as opposed to like grabbing the tights or putting the feet on the ropes. Right, having that that was an interesting twist on the extra leverage thing. When I say ooh, you say oh, ooh, no, fine. <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, again, further so in that rivalry. Bu- they're building up for that rivalry. What I think is going to happen with them, if they are the T- if that's the TLC pay-per-view, those guys are going to be in a TLC match. That's going to that's how they'll blow up this feud, I think. I think it'll be the two of them and then Heath Slater and Rhino in a triple threat. Kind of like kind of like the Dudley Boys, Edge and Christian and the Hardys back in the day. So that could be interesting. Interesting. Agreed. Uh, and then with the main event, the, the, the main event for that show was uh, Kane and Orton versus uh, Harper and Wyatt, which match itself was you know nothing great, but it was more about the mind games and storytelling. You know, Orton has kind of talked about uh, he talked about on SmackDown how he's like you know I've been living in Wyatt's world and. He's uncomfortable in Wyatt's world, this, that, and the other thing. So, you know, it's really about the mind games that they've been playing with each other. And right here, you had the match going on in the middle of it. All of a sudden, the lights go out, and when Orton's about ready to tag Kane in... Kane disappears. Kane disappears, and Luke Harper's in his corner, and he has his arm outstretched, and he has this, like, demented look on his face. And next thing you know, Bray Wyatt gives him Sister Abigail... One, two, three. Uh, obviously, the feud is far from over. I don't know if this is going to be Kane and Orton against the Wyatt family going into the future, or if this is just going to continue to be like a Bray and versus Randy. 
versus Randy thing, and if it's going to be a Harper versus Kane thing. I think that's what it's going to ultimately be. I think it's going to be two singles matches instead of two tag team matches. One will be like a kickoff show match. The other one will be still a... But we'll see where Don't it goes. Don't discount Luke Harper that way. Well, uh, he's better than the kickoff show. His name's not Ryback. Well, he was the kickoff show starter. Or showstopper. Kickoff <laughs> showstopper. But that was SmackDown. Uh, of the shows this week, NXT definitely probably the best. NXT show probably in the last couple of months. Again, they've been kind of building up with NXT lately, trying to take it take it from how they took away a lot of the guys from the roster, the the well-established guys, and trying to rebuild up what they are and what they have. So I think this was a big step forward for NXT. The Nakamura Joe stuff is fantastic agree sanity coming in great authors of pain uh they they weren't on the show this week but you know they're a team they've been building up with morgan getting built up even though she lost to billy Kay. but you know her character really is a lot of energy a lot of oh yeah they have to build up the entire division they can't just build up one one woman in the division they have to build up more than one because you can't just have Asuka versus, here, let me just randomly pull a name out of my hat. Billy Kay, let me pull a name out of my hat. Liv Morgan. Yeah. You know, that's it's, it's how they, that's the only way they're going to build a division is if they get these women to go over on each other and everything. And I agree with you on that. NXT was the better show of the week this week. Definitely think that The Miz and Dolph Ziggler was the best segment of the week. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, other, other I mean than, they had other, the best match than, on No Mercy. They had the... A great segment on SmackDown. I, I forgot. I'm sorry. Chris Jericho with the payday. Chris Jericho with the payday was, was fantastic. Should have been my mark out moment, but it wasn't. Thank you, Eric Young. But, you know, SmackDown, definitely a better show than Raw. Raw was just, uh, again, uh, some illogical crap st- going on. Overall, the direction of Raw I think is spot on what they need to be, but some of the decisions like, in-show need to be better and more thought out. Oh, I fully agree with you on it, and they have that piece of shit as their universal champion, which is funny because a week ago I wasn't feeling this way, but Kevin Owens is a piece of shit. Um, but Jericho is still the greatest I still of all time, you. his best friend. I still love you, Chris Jericho, even though you won't respond to me on Twitter. But anyway, we talked about the pay-per-view. Yep. We talked about Raw. We got our markout moment of the we week. We got the markout moment of the week. We, we talked, talked about no mercy. N- we talked NXT. TNA. We talked about Survivor Series. We talked about Goldberg returning. Hell, we even talked about the Royal Rumble we and, t- and SmackDown. Did we forget anything this week, Jay? Is there anything that we should have brought up during this podcast that we have not brought up thus far during said podcast? What could you be talking about? I think... Today, October 16th, 2016, at an incredible, you don't have to point it out to me, I I should know the number off the top of my head anyway, at 600, don't put it in my face, Jason, (laughs) at 630 days. By the way, I, I looked it up today just to double check. It is like 54 million seconds. You have that kind of time, don't you? 
Well, when, when I, I, I was double-checking my, my, my research, I, I couldn't find exactly where last week's notes were yeah. for the show. That's kind of weird. So I ended up, you know, putting into the Google machine, you know, how many days ago Curtis Axel entered the Royal Rumble. And I, I found out not only days, but it showed seconds, minutes, hours, all of that. And I was like, 54 That's impressive. And at 54 million seconds, the son of WWE Hall of Famer Mr. Perfect, Curtis Axel, is still alive in the 2015 Royal Rumble. Boom. And, and that's the final note of episode 13 of the Fucking Marks podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm Ja Rule. I'm Bobby the Brainless. Mark out with your clock out. See you next week. <laughs>